Well, hallelujah. Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us this morning. Appreciate that. Thank you, Cindy, for bringing us up to date on what's going on in your life. Today is the last of our Fearless series. We all come against those situations in our daily lives that demand a certain amount of courage. We want to learn from some of these Bible stories, even though they're written 3,000 years ago, they happened a long time ago. Their example can help us today because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The first week we looked at Beniah. Beniah chased a lion. And we can aggressively chase the lions, those challenging areas in our lives. Remember, the bigger your God is, the smaller the lions become. And playing it safe is risky. In doing life with Jesus, we have to sometimes take those faith risks. We can't always play it safe. The next week, we actually looked at Deborah, a unique lady in the ancient world, a prophet, a political leader, a military advisor. The word of the Lord came to her. It was time to throw off the shackles of oppression. And at God's direction, Deborah asked Commander Barak to lead a small army to push out the oppressors. And Barak said, if you go with me, I will go. You know, we can be fearless in facing the oppression of our day, but sometimes you will need a friend to travel the road with you. And sometimes as a follower of Jesus, you may be the one to travel the journey with someone else. Last week, we encountered Prince Jonathan. Jonathan lived out of God's abundance. While his father was stuck in a mindset of scarcity, Jonathan lived in abundance. And abundance knows that God is an unlimited supply. And abundance knows that with God, I am and all that I have is what I need. God gives me everything I need. Abundance also knows that God will work through me. I have everything I need to do everything that God wants me to do. Today's fearless hero, of course, uh, you've already guessed it, is David. When you hear the name David, what story immediately comes to mind? David and Goliath. We're going to talk about giants today. David was a shepherd boy. He was a rancher. He was a ranching shepherd, ranching shepherds, ranching sheep, taking care of the sheep on his father's ranch in Bethlehem. He was a shepherd boy who later became a fearless warrior, a skilled general, a successful king. In fact, he was a man after God's own heart. We want to base our thoughts this morning on that classic story of David and Goliath. Remember, Israel is in the mountain areas of that land. The powerful Philistines are on the coastal plain. And these two peoples were constantly jostling for position and power. On one of those occasions, we read in 1 Samuel 17 this story. Then Goliath said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were, Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, this is the first time we read about this dude named Goliath. He's a huge man. He's strong. His reputation precedes him. He is a warrior among warriors. Goliath was part of the Philistine army. Now, they fought Israel over and over again, over the land that was part of the economic highway in the east. 
it was, the, there, it was a valuable trade route. That's why everybody's fighting in this area. They want to stay there, but it is a valuable trade route. It, it, stuff goes back and forth, back and forth. It is, it, is, uh, it is like prime real estate. Goliath was Philistine's champion. And their champion would challenge another champion from the opposite side to fight for their nations. And it was a winner-take-all event. Now, this dreaded champion, Goliath, was over nine feet tall. Now, that is one tall dude. Now, there have been people of that size um, over the years. I saw a picture of a, a, fella, a fella back in the 40s was almost nine feet tall. But it was very difficult. Gravity messes with you a lot. And he was tall and skinny and had a cane to, to walk around. Now, Goliath wasn't any of those. He was just a big guy and muscles, and he was strong. Notice that it says that King Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. That word dismayed literally means to be broken. Dismayed. Broken. King Saul was a warrior. He was a head taller than any of the other guys in that, in that country. And even he was dismayed. They had beaten the Philistine army uh, a number of times in difficult skirmishes and battles. However, however, this time it was the Goliath. There was no way, not even a chance, that they could beat this guy. What happens when we go out there and get demolished by Goliath? The nation of Israel is going to be a joke. We'll be humiliated, broken, terrified. And King Saul, I think, felt this more because he was the biggest guy in their army. And so everybody's logically thinking, Goliath, Saul, that would be the best one. It would be best if the king did this. King, you should do this. And he's going, I don't think so. Goliath was a giant. Nine-foot-tall champion wearing heavy armor, standing and shouting, defying the people of God. Now, as well as physical giants, there are metaphorical ones. A giant is a big, seemingly insurmountable problem or issue. Personal giants in your life could include things like challenges in relation to your health, marriage, or family. Maybe relationships or lack of relationships, job or lack of job, other work issues. Or maybe it's some sin, temptation, addiction, fear, loneliness, discouragement, or debt. Those are personal giants. There are national giants that our, our whole country would be dealing with. Um, that might be terrorism, racism, gang violence, homelessness. The breakdown of marriage, family life, and community. There is, therefore, the giant task of evangelizing our country and revitalizing the church and transforming our society. Not only national giants, there is global giants. And you hear this on the news all the time, that global giants include war, climate change, pandemics, extreme poverty, and as a result, thousands of children die every day. Preventable disease. Millions of people are dying of diseases that there is a relatively simple and easy cure. And there is a need for universal primary education. Almost one billion people in our world are unable to read. 
And there is a need for worldwide water sanitation. You realize all our world could have clean water, and that would be funded by the amount of money that North America spends on ice cream each year. There are two possible attitudes when facing a giant. One is to say, whoa, it is so big, there is nothing that I can do. And the other attitude is to say, whoo, it's so big, I can't miss. You will face Goliaths in your life. So what is your Goliath today? One of the Goliaths, I think, that is in much of our society, many, you know, many people in British Columbia, Vancouver Island, Ladysmith, I think, deal with self-esteem issues. That can be a big Goliath. Do you remember Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, God, are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And yet... Many times, that is a giant when we say, oh, I'm so stupid, I can't do it. When the world tells us you can't, you're, you're dumb. Watch this video. God knows you. He knows what you're thinking, what you just thought, and what you're about to think. He knows everything there is to know about you. He created you. He knit you together. You are exactly what he wanted you to be. And when the world tells you that you don't matter, that you aren't smart enough, that you aren't pretty enough or strong enough. Just remember who created you. And when you feel like you've really messed up and nothing seems to make sense anymore, remember that the God that created the whole entire universe created you too. And you are exactly the person he wanted you to be. What's the thing that you don't want to bring up? You're kind of going, no, 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 that's not. I don't want to think about that because. I can't defeat it. I've fought that before and I lost. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you're broken and terrified. Addiction to pornography, to drugs, to anger, to control. Maybe marriage is a problem. The problems are so big that you see no hope. Some of you might be having trouble identifying your giant. And maybe because it's become such a normal part of your life, you don't even see it. In this passage, for 40 days, Goliath would step out and provoke the challenge. And for 40 days, the Israelite army sat paralyzed in fear. 
For 40 days, they sounded like they were ready for battle. We know what needs to be done, but this giant is too big. They had no intention of fighting him. He was just becoming a part of their lives, and they're just hoping that tomorrow he'll just yell, and they'll yell, and everybody will go back, and they'll just keep on doing that. We're going to attack Goliath this morning. Young teenage David enters the story. Now, he's got seven brothers, three of his older brothers. They're all older than him. And his three oldest brothers are all in Saul's army. They're big guys. They're heavy, and they're, they're, they're warriors. David was the youngest, and he had to stay home and watch the sheep. He's a teenager. His father, Jesse, wanted to send a care package with David to the brothers in the army. And then he says, bring back some word on what's going on. You see, there's no Wi-Fi, no Instagram, no CNN news. So it's like, what's going on down there? What's happening? So David goes, and he brings, uh, he brings some, some roasted grain, some cheeses, and he arrives as the two armies are lining up for their daily routine. One army on one hill, the other army on the other hill, and then it is they would employ their battle strategy. It was psychological warfare. Each side would try to intimidate the other, yelling, screaming, war cries, going back and forth, and just trying to get in the other's head. So it says uh, in battle strategies, as we face our giants, how did David face his giant? Let's kind of look at that a little bit this morning. Because I think if you see how David faced his giant, you too will be able to use those strategies in facing your giants. As I was preparing this message this week, a couple of these actually came up and I'm going, oh yeah, I just studied that. This is how I got to deal with this thing this week. Verse 23, as David was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Important. David heard it. There is our first strategy. Hear the lies. Hear the lies. Your giant has told you lies. And what lies are you believing? Maybe it's someone has said, no one can have a healthy marriage. Maybe you witnessed that in your, uh, in your growing up years. It's impossible to have a healthy marriage. That's a lie. The truth is that marriage was God's idea in the first place. And the Bible even describes our relationship with God as a marriage. Maybe uh, the lie you're hearing is you can't break this addiction. It's just part of your life. Well, that's a lie. The truth is you can do anything through Christ's strength. Maybe you're hearing the lie, your God's a joke. You're on your own in this world. There is no God. That is a lie. The truth is God says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Hear the lies. You're a loser. You're worthless. You're pathetic. You're a failure. You'll never get ahead financially. You won't ever complete that course. You won't be able to lose that weight. You're too sinful. God could never forgive you for what you've done. Recognize the lies. And how do you recognize lies? You recognize lies because you know the truth. Know the truth, you'll recognize the lies. David's response to Goliath's lies is found in verse 26. David turns to everybody around and says, 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this guy? What does he think he is? These are lies against the living God. And David is deeply offended. The truth is that in all things, God will work out for good all things for those who love him. The truth is that Jesus came and died for you and me so that we would live an abundant life. The truth is that when God looks on followers of Christ, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. The truth is you are a child of God with the rights and privileges of a child of God, of a prince and princess of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Recognize the lies because you know the truth. Hear the lies. Know the truth. If you know the truth, you'll be able to detect the lies. Everybody sees that David's upset around him, and they, uh, he's asking a lot of questions. The news gets to King Saul, and he calls David in to the general's command post. And David said to Saul, Don't let anyone lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David was moved to action. It takes us to the second battle strategy. Don't listen to the naysayers. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. you got to be kidding. Don't listen to the naysayers, the negative talk, the people, the detractors, even your own self, the negative self-talk. You can't do this. It can eat away at your confidence in God. I remember in my early years, in my early teen years, I was maybe 13, 14, I don't remember, but on the farm we had the front gate, and the gate needed to be closed because there were cattle in, but it was broken and it wouldn't work right. And I came to Mom and I says, hey, I think I know how to fix this. I'm going to go get the, some tools. I'm going to go down there and fix it. Mom said, I don't think you're going to be able to. And I remember that as being completely deflating. I didn't even bother trying. Now, probably mom was right. I did not have the skill set at the time to do it. However, I did know what needed to be done, and I wanted to do something, but that negative comment was really deflating. Don't listen to the naysayers. You will have that in your life over and over and over. And one of the worst naysayers can sometimes be yourself or your family. Eliab was David's oldest brother. What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business, tending that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You come down here to see the sights and hope for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. Just go home. Yet David turned away from Eliab. And the lesson we learn here is not to be put off if rejected or ill-treated. Joyce Meyer writes, God is not looking for someone with ability, but someone with availability. Keep your heart pure by refusing to allow hatred, offense, bitterness, resentment, or unforgiveness to stop you. Don't listen to the naysayers. Remember your God stories. Remember your God stories. And here's David. Here's what he says. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David wasn't stupid. He's gone, hey, I've fought with lions and battles, and he did not have a machine gun 
or bear traps. He had a slingshot, and he was able to fight a bear and a lion. Those were his God stories. God's already done some stuff with me. Remember what God has already done in your life. David begins to tell some incredible stories, a lion and a bear. God had did it before. He'll do it again. When people say God can't, remember God did. One of my God stories was finding full-time ministry in a church. I had graduated Bibles College, but there were no churches open. Nothing was happening, so we ended up going up to Fort McMurray, where one of the guys I went to Bible school with was managing a big department store, and he wanted me to come and help in the furniture department, and I did that for two years. And then the economy in Fort McMurray absolutely shut down, like boom, overnight. And we found ourselves back here in Ladysmith, 1983. The roots were a family from here, and they were going off to Africa for six months, and they said, would you house sit? And we have a bonus, there's a place to stay. So for six months, we house sat, and it was down on the beach, it was a gorgeous house. We did odd jobs, and I helped Pastor Bob Roth here, and uh, doing preaching, teaching, and, and working in the church. It was all in that little lobby of the building that we have now. But, you know, it came down to one week before the roots were returning, and I did not have another job. I did not have another church. We didn't have a house to live in. One week, and we had to get out. And then I got a phone call from Pastor Mateka up in Fort McMurray. He was taking up the church in Armstrong. He needed an interim pastor in Armstrong until June. Would I fill in till he got there? I didn't have to pray about that one. It's yes, I've been praying for the last two months. And then we stayed on in Armstrong for three years as an assistant. It's one of my God stories. And again and again, I come back to that story. God will provide. Often at the last minute. Remember your God stories. He did it before. He will do it again. David and Goliath, they face off. Goliath is head-to-toe armor, nine feet tall. He has every weapon hanging off his body. He is a warrior among warriors. And he looks David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog? You come at me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Hear the lies. Know the truth. Don't listen to naysayers. Remember your God stories. And the third strategy in facing our giants is don't focus on the giant. Don't compare the giant to yourself. Compare the giant to God. On his way out to the battle, David picks up five smooth stones. Now, I've seen pictures of the sling stones that were used in battles in, uh, in Israel. Uh, the archaeologists have picked them up. And they're about the size of a tennis ball, and they're completely round like a tennis ball. You can imagine that thing coming at you at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, who needs a gun? As a young kid, Grant will attest to this, we used to build weapons. One of our favorite was the Kung Fu stars that we got in the shop. We lived on a farm, right? So you got tools and you got stuff and scrap. And so we got metal and we cut out stars and we got them and we would fling them at 
the garage door and stuck holes in them. Dad didn't really like it, but it was really cool. Like we were dangerous and so much so that we kind of thought, you know, maybe these aren't good things to play with. So we decided to make David slings. Not this. Rope or leather and a leather pouch and stones, and we got really good at flinging them until we realized we could fling them all the way to the road, which is like 300 meters that way. And we were really good. And then we decided cars were going by. That's probably not a good thing to do either. So we found something else to make. David had a slingshot. It was the only weapon he had. No armor, no sword, no shield. See the difference? And that's where we look first as we examine this story. The comparison of weapons. A slingshot versus spear, sword, and javelin. And we list the reasons why it's impossible. We list the things that can go wrong. We list the reasons we can't win. It's us compared to the giants. Who would you bet on? We can have the same attitude in our own lives. Often our focus is misplaced. We compare the giant to ourselves. In reality, we need to compare our giant to God. That's what David did. David understood what mattered. It was all about God. David said to the giant, to Philistine, to Goliath, he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Goliath, you got your weapons, but I've got God. And in the name of the Lord Almighty, that word Lord Almighty is the warrior name, El Shaddai. God Almighty, it's a warfare name, it's a fighting name. And ultimately the warfare we are engaged in is against our spiritual enemy, Satan. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters reminds us there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and feel an unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. Satan is a person, not just an evil force. Names used for Satan is adversary and enemy. In Greek, they use diabolos or devil, the slanderer. He is the father of lies, the evil one, the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the tempter. Satan is a created being. He's not present everywhere. But remember that God, the Holy Spirit, is omnipresent, is everywhere. Satan can't do that. He is not everywhere. He is not all-knowing, but God the Father is omniscient. He is not all-powerful, but Jesus, the Son of God, is omnipotent. Satan is just like any angel, albeit a fallen angel. He's a spiritual being. He is powerful. He knows more than human beings. But he can't be everywhere in the world tempting and deceiving, so no, you were not tempted by Satan. But he does work through a whole army of emissaries, demons, evil spirits, fallen angels. In the New Testament, only Jesus is actually tempted by the devil. All other oppressions are by demons, members of the evil army. Yet in the battle, we kind of lump it all together. But when we do that, sometimes we think Satan is on par with God, and that is not the case. When you see the giant, compare him to God. Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Resist him. Whenever we resist the slightest temptation, we honor God. 
When we overcome the smallest problems by trusting Jesus, then God is glorified in our lives. When we choose character over convenience, when we choose faithfulness over ease, when we choose honesty over deceit, we bring honor to the Lord himself. When we serve him with obedience, even in the small things, God is glorified. And remember that Jesus is greater. The one who is in you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world. He's greater than Satan. As this uh, little thing says, the giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. You're not a helpless victim of a tug of war between two nearly equal heavenly superpowers. Compared to Satan's limited power, God is off the charts. Omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience, and you are in him. Sometimes the reality of sin, the presence of evil, may seem more real. But it is Satan's deception. It is a giant lie. He is a defeated foe. Jesus is the overcomer. Jesus is the victor. So don't focus on the giant. Focus on God. And David says, This day, Yahweh, the Lord, will hand you over to me, and the whole world will know that there is a God. The giant to ourselves. We are not coming against the giant in our own strength. We need to focus on God and compare the size of the giant to the size of our God. Why does God intervene? Why can we trust him to take care of the situation? Because it will be a witness. It will be an evidence. Yes, there is a God. With all result, the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. So three battle, stra battle strategies as you face your giants in the world today and into the future. Number one, hear the lies. Hear them fresh so we recognize that they are lies. And how do you recognize the lies? Because you know the truth. And that will move you to action. And it is another reason to study the truth. Understand what the truth is. Look into the word of God. What does God say? What does God know? How did he create us? Know the truth and you'll hear the lies. The second thing is be ready because you don't listen to the naysayers. Instead, remember your God's stories. Remember what God did in your life before. And then when you go into battle, don't focus on the giant. Focus on God. Don't compare the giant to yourself. Focus on God. Compare the giant to your God. You have a great, big, wonderful God. Well, then we read the story. It happened. David sprinted toward Goliath, grabbed one stone, took the giant down. And today we're going to grab whatever we have in our hands, whatever it is, no matter what it is, and we're going to face our giant. And with God's strength, the giant is going to go down. You know why? It's the focus of everything. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. So the whole world will know there is a God who reigns in your life. Because our mission on earth is to alert people to the universal reign of God in Jesus Christ. How big is your God? Remember, he is bigger than the giants. There is a giant that we cannot defeat on our own, and that is called sin. Sin is what separates us from God. That relationship with God is what we were created for, and yet we're separated from it by sin. And that's why God, in his sovereignty and his grace, sent Jesus 
Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life as the Son of God. He died on a cross and took our sin upon himself and took it to the grave. But then Jesus rose again. And that gift of forgiveness and grace is offered freely to you right now. Today is the day that you face that giant and recognize your only hope is in Jesus. So as you go out into the world this week, if God puts a Goliath in front of you, he must believe there's a David inside of you. I'm going to ask Rod to come up and lead us in prayer. And one of the things you can be praying for, we just received word you've been kind of missing Eileen Dillon. She hasn't been here for a number of weeks. She uh, was seen in the hospital and kind of seeing doctors. And the doctors have finally said, Eileen, you're on limited time on this earth. We don't know how long it's going to be, but she's weak. She's at home. So as she's up for visits, but probably short visits. And when you're there, you can ask, how can I help you? Because she's having trouble even getting around. So not sure how long that is, but let's continue to pray for Eileen. And let's continue to pray for Lance. He's not here this morning. He got his head cut open by a surgeon who took out a tumor. And uh, they're checking to see if it's malignant. They don't think it is. So we'll be praying for that and praying for the healing that goes along with that. But... Let's remember these people in prayer this morning.